Genesis 2.24. We're going to finish our series today on friends and lovers. Today's the last sermon. My wife did a great job last week. Didn't she do a great job preaching? And, and um, so if you, if you didn't catch her, if you weren't here for her, you can either catch the podcast or you can order a CD. I encourage you to do that. Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And, and in that verse is the secret of marriage. But you also see that in that verse is dating. And today we're going to specifically talk about dating, dating relationships. We're going to talk to single people. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm married. What does it have to do with me? Well, you can glean some truth from this, but also you can learn some wisdom to pass on to others. And so I encourage you to, to hear everything that God wants to say to you today. In the leaving and the joining, right? It says this, a man... Come on now, not a boy. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined. Somewhere in the middle of that is this thing that we have called dating. Some cultures call it courting. Some call it disaster, <laughs> nightmare, the worst experience of my life, you know. Regardless of what you call it, it's boy meets girl, man meets woman. And so the Bible's not silent on this issue. The Bible has a lot to say about dating. But I just want to give you a disclaimer today. Much of what I'm going to share is counterculture to what is out there, to what the world is saying, to what kids are learning. And I remember it wasn't long ago, I was teaching a group of young adults at a different church, and I was talking to them about purity, and I was talking to them about dating, and I remember I said something about how to stay pure and, in a dating relationship, and it was like they all looked at me, like I was crazy, like, what are you, were you kidding me, you know? So I understand that much of what I might say today, you might think, wow, that is old-fashioned. That is old-fashioned. But the truth is, it's not old-fashioned. In fact, the old school, you got married at 14. So we're not going there, that's for sure. So this is, is not old-fashioned, it's just truth. And I can tell you this, and, and I, I never mention this or talk about it much, but I've been in the people business for 23 straight years. And I could tell you, I have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I have seen people do it right, but I have seen a lot of people do it wrong. I've seen a lot of parents make major mistakes. I was a youth pastor for six years, worked with teenagers for many years, young adults, been pastoring for years, and I can tell you I have seen people make major mistakes, and so much of the truth that I'm going to share today is based on what I have seen, not only in people's lives, the mistakes they've made, but the truth of God's Word, all right? So are you ready today? I want to start by killing four sacred cows. Let's just dispel some dating myths. Can we do that today? Because maybe you've heard this, maybe you have thought this, maybe you have experienced this, or maybe you believe this for some reason. And the first one is this, as long as they're a Christian, it's okay. 
So let's just dispel that myth. My wife and I were sitting in, in a youth service when we were youth pastors, and the speaker that day said something that changed my life. He said to everyone out there, he said, whatever you do, don't marry a Christian. And then he just paused. And I thought, somebody get the hook. Yank this guy off the stage. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he said, let me tell you young ladies, whatever you do, do not marry a Christian. Marry a man of God. Everybody will tell you they're a Christian. It's a Christian nation. Hey, come on now, we live in a Christian nation. Everybody says they're a Christian. You're running for office? I'm a Christian. Come on now. What you want is a man of God, a woman of God. And so let's just dispel the myth. If they say they're a Christian, that does not mean they're a Christian. Right? I could tell you all day I have musical talent. I'm a musician. I'm a singer. How many of you know that's not true? I mean, I could, just because you say it doesn't make it true. And so I want to encourage you. You're not looking for anybody who just says what they are. You're looking for somebody who walks out their faith. Amen? So that's the first myth that we're going to um, dispel. The second one is this. My child's happiness is most important. Uh, I don't know where we got that. I don't know where, where we started to believe along the way that our, our child's happiness is what we live for. I've told my children many times, I'm not, I don't live for your happiness. That's not my goal in life. The goal of parenting is not to make your child happy. Uh, the goal of parenting is to raise a godly adult. Holiness is the goal, not happiness. Your happiness is not the goal. Your child's happiness is not the goal. If you live for that, you will be unhappy. Okay? And ultimately, they will too. See, if we shoot for happiness, we're going to end up miserable. But if we shoot for holiness, God throws happiness in. Hallelujah? See, happiness is a direct result, a byproduct of holiness. So that's what we're after. So that means that you may have to say, no, not yet. Don't do that. Huh? I mean, isn't that what we do when they're growing up? Don't touch that. Don't eat that. Don't play with that. Don't go there. Don't run out in the street, right, to keep them safe. So we have to develop boundaries. So it's true of dating as well. You have to develop boundaries boundaries. The third one is this. I would rather have them do it in front of me than behind my back. I hate that one. I don't know how many times I've been told that by a parent. Well, I'd rather have them do it in front of me than behind my back. Let's just think about that logic for just a minute. Is that also true of drugs? Is it also true of, of alcohol and drinking? Is it also true of smoking? I'd rather have them do it in front of me than behind my back. Then why do we ascribe that to dating? Come on now. Isn't that right? No, 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 no. The standard is the standard, right? We, we set a biblical, moral, holy standard. And, and this is the standard that we're going to live by. This is, this is our house. Joshua said, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. It's not, well, I'd rather have them do it in front of me than behind my back. No, that's weak parenting. It's weak parenting. It's, it's flawed logic. 
The truth is, is that we set the standard of holiness. If they choose to cross the boundary, to go behind our back, transgress, sin, then that's on them. It's not on you. Amen? See, I've had, I've had people tell me, well, listen, if you're too strict as a parent, when they, when they leave your house, they're going to go crazy. Listen, that's on them. They have to work out their own salvation. They have to work out their relationship with God. We've told our kids, listen, you go crazy when you leave our house, that's on you. You're not going to blame us. I'm not going to take any blame. This is the standard that I'm going to set in my house. We're going to live by a certain moral code. We're going to live according to the word of God. And if you want to go crazy when you leave our house, listen, that is all on you. But it's not going to happen in my house. I'm going to establish boundaries and listen, it's not about, well, well I'm, you're being too strict. No, we're just doing things according to the Word of God. Amen? So, so don't ascribe to that theory. Number four, myth we want to dispel, and this is a big one. My soulmate will complete me. I've said many times, I don't believe in soulmates. Somebody asked me, is Cynthia your soulmate? Well, she has a soul, and we are mates. That's the extent of what I think about her being soulmates, okay? Jimmy Evans said this, soulmates are made, not born. I love that. Soulmates are made and not born. No, you choose to love someone. Don't, don't think for a minute that, that, well, if I didn't marry the right person, I didn't marry my soulmate, then, then I have to divorce this one and, and try to find that that one person out of six billion that live on this earth that is now my soulmate, huh? Because the minute things go wrong in a relationship, what does the devil tell you? You married the wrong person. Anybody ever heard that? I did. Don't raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, don't raise your hand. (laughs) This morning, he said it to me very clearly. No, no. The devil told me and my wife that many times. The minute things started to get crazy in our house and we started to fight the devil immediately came to me and said oh you you married the wrong person she's not your soulmate that is the lie that Hollywood is telling us the romantic movies huh that we fall in love and every morning you're going to wake up and you're just going to see stars and, and they're never going to have bad breath and, and they're, they're never going to have a wrinkle and they're just going to be perfect all the days of their life. The truth is, how many of you know, real life isn't like that. Real life is sometimes they stink and they make you angry and they put things where they shouldn't and then they don't put things away and, and, and you fight and you get, you, you, they spend money and, and, and all these things that that drive you crazy. The truth is, is that love is a choice. Amen? I said love is a choice. You choose to love somebody beyond the emotion. I don't always feel emotion for Cynthia, especially when she does things that that I don't like, like, you know, not listening to every word that I say. And so I, I don't always feel the emotion of it. Thank God that the emotions are there. I, I, we all need them. But I'm not dependent on them. I choose every day to love her. It's just a choice that I make, whether I feel it or don't feel it. So the lie that there's this soulmate out there, and that you'll only be happy with that one soulmate, huh, is a lie that Hollywood and all of its beautiful, wise people has sold us. So you cannot buy the lie. 
We have to understand love is a choice. Love is a choice. You are complete before anybody ever walks down the aisle and gets attached to you. I said you're complete. Listen, another human doesn't make you complete. Jesus Christ has made you 100% complete. And if you're waiting for someone else to complete you, you are going to be disappointed. Right? You're going to be disappointed every day of your married life. Colossians 2.10 says this, So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. It says you are complete in Him. Listen, single adult, you're complete. You are absolutely complete. On your own, by yourself, not married, you are complete in Christ. Another person can compliment you, but they cannot complete you. Hallelujah. Man, we need to shout that to every young lady, to every young man, to every teenager, to every kid. You're complete in Christ. Christ is your completion. Amen? That's so important for you to know. So those are the sacred myths. Once we get past those, now we can talk about how to move forward. But before we do that, let me give you this. This is the worldly model of dating. And many of you did it. I did it. Okay? And, and so many of you did it. You did it maybe differently. Maybe you didn't do it. I, we have people in this church. We have a couple in this church, a leadership in the church. They dated a godly way. They never even kissed until they said, I do. So that was the choice that they made. So, so not everybody has to do it this way, but this is how many choose to date. And this is what I did. It begins with either the man or the woman initiating with the other. You see them across a crowded room. Your heart begins to flutter. Come on, you guys. You know what you did, right? You, you, you just look at them and you go, oh, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, right? And so you initiate the contact. Sometimes it's the woman. Most of the time, maybe it's the man. Maybe you pass a note, check yes or no. I don't know how you did it, but somehow you did it. Number two, it's conducted outside the formal oversight authority of a person's family or church. Typically, you don't go to the father for permission to date. That's usually reserved for marriage only. And still, that doesn't always happen. So you just decide. The, the daughter comes home one day and said, Dad, I've met someone. And so that's usually how that happens. So the, the family has little say-so. The family finds out later, okay? Number three, it may or may not have marriage as its goal, and it's often just recreational. Well, we're going to date. We're going to find out. We're going to see. I don't know. You know, they're cute. I mean, they look all right. You know, they drive a nice car. I mean, whatever it is that, that you know, you can win somebody over with. And, and then it's just like, well, I just want to have fun. I don't want to be alone, it's Valentine's Day, whatever reason you're going to come up with. And so it's just recreational. I'm just going to try them like a shoe. If it fits, great. If it doesn't, we'll get another pair of shoes, all right? So what happens then is you date, you break up. You date, you break up. You date, you break up. And what we're teaching our teenagers is how to divorce. Come on now. Isn't that what we're doing? We're teaching them, well, listen... 
you've already broke up six times, and now that you're married, it's just another breakup. It's just going to involve paperwork this time. Huh? And so we're, we're training people how to divorce. And so we, we've got to stop the carnage that is our married life. No wonder half of every marriage ends in divorce. It's because people are so good at breaking up. Hallelujah. Man, it's quiet in here, y'all. Come on now, y'all. Wait. Listen, isn't that the truth? So listen, we've got to do things differently. Differently. And listen, every parent here needs to drill this in their kids. And if you're a grandparent here today and you say, hey, I I didn't get the opportunity to teach my kids this way, will you start teaching them now so that your grandchildren don't have to walk through some of the same same things that maybe you walk through or your kids walk through? Can I get an amen from somebody here? I mean, let's, let's turn the page on this thing and let's start a new chapter. Amen? I, ask, I tell my kids all the time, don't ask me a lot of questions. Anybody ever say that? Don't ask me a lot of questions, okay? Let me talk to you now from, from where I am now. Back then, you know, we made mistakes. I mean, my wife and I, this is the way. We, we did it the old-fashioned way, the, the worldly way. And so, so we want to do things differently for our kids and, and, and generations to come. So I have some rules. Are you ready? Rules for dating. Just going to give you some rules. Now, these are for you to instill in your family. But if you, for some reason, have trouble telling your kids no, then I give you permission to say, Pastor Brian said, okay? So if you, that's what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. So you just simply said, well, these are Pastor Brian's rules. You could type them out, put them on their bathroom mirror, put it in the bedroom somewhere. These are Pastor Brian's rules for dating. And again, I'm going to tell you, they're going to run counterculture to what many people try to teach or think or, 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 or you ever hear from friends, neighbors, coworkers, okay? Number one, no dating until you're of the marrying age. So let's camp here because this is where most people struggle. Most people struggle with this one. I've had people just look at me when I say that, like, you are, what? No dating until you are of the marrying age. Absolutely no. That means no dating in high school. No dating the first few years of college. And I'll give you two reasons why. Time and emotion. First, let's talk a little bit about about time. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, but when each one is tempted, uh, each one is tempted, I should say, when he is drawn away by his own. Somebody say own. Own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The Bible says when we sin, when sin is conceived, it's because our own desires and enticements have, have awakened, so to speak. And really what happens when we sin, as I'll give you the definition of sin, the definition of sin is when lustful desires meet opportunity. When you have lustful desires and it meets opportunity, then you're going to have sin. And if somebody starts dating at 14 but they don't plan on being married until 24, 
Come on now, let's just do the math. It's just simple math. If they start dating at 14, but they have no intention of getting married till they're 24, they're going to have eight years of opportunity. Huh? And, and you're not going to make it. You're just not going to make it. Contrast that with if they start dating at 22 and they get married at 24. Then they have two years. Do you see the difference? The difference is between eight years and, and two years. So what happens is, is if you allow them to date in high school, there's too many opportunities. Just too many opportunities. There'll just be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And so we can't allow that to happen. So no dating in high school. Listen, I don't even joke or play with my kids. I don't even joke with them about the opposite sex. I don't joke with them because I don't want to do anything to awaken love. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7, has a verse that every parent needs to memorize. And here's what it says. Promise me, O daughters of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until it's time. Until the time is right. You don't awaken certain things until the time is right. That means that at, at 14 or 12 or 8 or five, you don't awaken certain things. Attitudes. You don't joke with them about the opposite sex. Girlfriend, boyfriend. Why? Because what happens is you're stirring up things. You're awakening things. And the Bible says you don't do that until it's time. And let me tell you, at 14, it's not time. At 16, it's not time. Your teen years should be spent focusing on having fun and getting great grades. Right? Get great grades so you can get a great job because you're going to need it. So, so those should be your teen years. Serving God, having fun, and getting great grades. That should, be, that should be your priority, not boyfriend, girlfriend, all right? Because what happens is you awaken things, you stir things up, and when we allow girls to be boy crazy and put posters on walls and, 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 and be infatuated with boy bands and, and all these things, what happens is, is, is at 12 and 13 and 14, we're stirring up emotions that they're not mature enough to handle. And there's too much time. There's going to be too many opportunities. If you allow them to date at 12, 13, 14 years old, there's too many opportunities that are going to happen. Over the course of the next five years, six years, eight years, there's going to be too many opportunities for them to blow it. Do you remember? <laughs> Nobody wants to answer. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's not easy, is it? It's difficult. So, so we have to delay these things. We have to delay that. And so you cannot just stir those up. You cannot just allow those things to awaken. You have to keep them dormant as much as you can. When you hand a boy a phone or give them internet access and they are allowed to view things that they should not be viewing, what happens is it stirs up something in them. And once you start that fire, it's very difficult to put out. Amen? So, so we have to understand 
that, that the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Joshua Harris wrote that in a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. You say, well, it's just harmless. It's not harmless. It's detrimental to their health. It's detrimental to their emotional well-being, to their physical well-being. Listen, listen, when you're young like that, you don't need the work that is called a relationship. How many of you know their work? I'm going to try that again. How many of you know those things are work, man? These relationships, they take effort and energy and time and money. And, and you don't need it. You don't need the headache. You don't need the emotion. You don't need the drama when you're 14, 15, 16 years old. Huh? So you have to wait. I mean, it's just too much. Of, you've got too many things going on in your life to worry about that. Hallelujah. So, listen, you don't need the work right now. So, no dating. No dating until you're of the marrying age. So you ask a kid, when would you like to be married? They say 24, 26. Okay, well then, let's think about dating them when you're 22. 21. Let's think about it maybe when you're about to exit college. If you're still in college, hey, you got too much on you. Maybe as you're about to end college, the final year. Not the first few years. There's just too much pressure. There's too much going on in your life. Maybe if you're not in school. And, and, and nothing wrong with getting married at 22 or, or, or even younger. Some people do that. It works out. What I'm saying is, is you have to wait till you are of the marrying age. Hallelujah. For some people, that's different. Could be in their 30s. Some people want to wait. More power to you. Then don't date until you're, say, I'm ready now. I'm ready now for a relationship. I'm ready to be married. Number two, dating only happens after a father has given permission and is conducted under his authority. Glory to God. You say, Pastor, you say that because you're a dad. No, I believed that long before I was, I was a dad. I believe that. Somebody told me this before I had kids. And, and, and I got a hold of it, and I said, that's absolutely right. That's the way it should happen. That a dad, this is the biblical model. In the Bible, a man would go to the father before he ever even talked to the woman to get permission just to talk to her. Come on now. And so this is important for us to understand. I, I'm, I am I'm just beside myself. I, I'm shocked at men who would never hand the keys of their car over to some boy, but will allow him to come to the door and take his daughter. Isn't that shocking? Does that, does that make any sense? You won't give him the keys to your car before the, you give him the daughter. No, 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 he might wreck it. What's he going to do with her? Huh? He's going to wreck her. And so you have to understand is that you're the, you're the, you are the guardian of the home. You're the protector. The Bible says a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. And that's true not just financially, that's also true of protecting them. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Amen? You say, well, pastor, what if there's no, what if there's no father in the home? What if, what if my father is either absent or what if he's disconnected? Then you are in a church. And in the church, you find a godly man who can fill that role. Amen? 
You go to one of our pastors, you go to one of our leaders, and you say, listen, I, I need to talk to you about something. And you bring them. And then he gives oversight and he gives accountability. There is no dating without accountability. Hallelujah. Number three is this. With marriage as the goal, there is a short dating life followed by a long engagement. Now, I could just tell you, my wife and I did it the exact opposite. We had a very long dating life and what is relatively now a short engagement. And we spent our entire engagement apart. The entire engagement. In fact, we spent the last year and nine months of our, of our relationship apart. So when we got married, we were just complete strangers. And you wonder why, when I teach on marriage, I start with our testimony about how our life was in shambles. Because we did it all wrong. See, what I believe is this short dating life and then a long engagement. You say, why? Well, here's what happens. When, when you have an engagement, you have a, 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 typically a date or at least you see a finish line. And then it's a lot easier to maintain your purity. But if there is no date, if there is no finish line, if there's, well, let's just see, maybe we'll get married, maybe we won't. One day we will, one day we won't, maybe, I don't know. Let's just see. Well, then it's going to be very difficult for you to maintain your purity. And that's why couples move in, and that's why couples live together. Why? Because they don't have anything on a calendar. Come on now. And so, I believe in short dating lives. Why? Because you're minimizing opportunity. And then long engagements where somebody can walk you through the process, getting you ready for a marriage. Too many people spend too much time preparing for a wedding. They don't spend enough time preparing for a marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, it's quiet. It's quiet in here today. Let me tell you, this is just truth that we have to get inside of all of our teenagers, all of our kids, all of our parents. Listen, grandparents, you have a voice. Speak to your family. Amen? Most people do it the exact opposite. We did it the exact opposite too. But here's what you don't want. You don't want emotional hurt. You don't want pain and you don't want baggage that you just carry from one relationship and put it down in another relationship. And when that relationship part falls apart, you grab another bag. And you just got bags everywhere, and you just carry them from one relationship to another relationship. Right? And when you do that, here's what happens. Every time you go outside of the boundaries of God's word, you get hurt. And you get pain, and you get baggage. There's a bonding. I want to end with this story. Marf and I, when we were youth pastors in North Florida, we, we did a parent conference with uh, a couple named Scott and Sherry Shear. And uh, we brought them in from North Carolina. Man, I just thought it was going to be a big hit. And we put this parent conference on, and we had very few people come. And I just, I was shocked because I, I couldn't imagine why everybody wouldn't want to be a great parent. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so we did this conference, and I remember the guy actually did this. He brought two pieces of wood. Two pieces of wood. A little boy and a little girl, right? Just, just shaped, just cut out, real rough, ugly 
looking pieces of wood. One shaped like a boy, one shaped like a girl. Moving right along. So we, we have these two pieces of wood. And he had two sets. He had one that he had put together the same day with a little bit of Elmer's glue. Just bonded it together. Just, just right before the conference started. And then he had one set that he had bonded with a stronger bond that had been together for a very long time. And he said, now you watch while I separate these two couples. Just a boy and a girl who met, one with an emotional bond that's very strong because over the process of time, they've crossed boundaries. They've allowed soul ties to develop. They've gotten sexually active, okay? And he said, you watch as I try to separate this couple. And he took a, 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 a screwdriver and he dug in between those two pieces of wood and tried to pry it apart. And, and what happened was a, a head came off and then an arm and then splintered wood just started to separate from splintered wood. And, and you really couldn't tell what piece was which. And, and this girl still carrying some of the guy and the guy still has parts of the girl and you say here's what happens is now you have this broken couple this broken man and this broken woman and they're going to go try to attach themselves to somebody else but they're not whole they're not complete they're still carrying the hurt the pain and so they need healing man and they started to take the sandpaper and said man they need they need healing he said, and then, and then you have this bond over here that just happened. It hasn't had the opportunity. It hasn't, had, it hasn't been able to cross boundaries. It hasn't had the time. And he said, now you watch as I separate them. And he just lightly just pulled them apart. And they pulled apart no problem. Why? Because the bond hadn't set. You see? You have one, one man and one woman devastated, broken, disfigured. Huh? Why? Because of the bonding process that took place. And this is what happens when we allow our kids, our teenagers, or even ourselves to not set up boundaries like we should. Huh? Listen, I'm not in, I'm not in it for the most popular parent award. Do you hear me now? I, 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 that's not, I'm not trying to get the trophy of world's greatest dad. Okay? I don't even like those shirts, you know? I'm probably not the world's greatest dad. I get tired a lot, okay? I, I wrestle with Elias. Five minutes, I'm like, I'm done. I'm really, I mean, you know, he's, we did it last night. He's just nailing me with knees. And I can't, I can't, ha I'm old now. I'm older than I used to be. I'm not, not 25 anymore, you know? And, and so I watch probably too much TV and I, I'm too lazy sometimes. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to setting boundaries and standards, I'm, I'm up for that every time. Huh? I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not lazy in that area. I, I am, I'm up for that challenge. Every time setting it for my kids, I'm going to establish moral boundaries, moral guidelines. 